especially those at high risk. So when it's your turn, don't miss your shot. I know I didn't. Sponsored by this station, the Arkansas Broadcasters Association and UAMS. Text and whatever. Just don't text and drive. Visit StopTextsStopRex.org. A message from the National Highway Traffic Safety Administration and the Ad Council. You're listening to KNEA Jonesboro and KBRI Clarendon. The Ticket. It's time for The Setup, the fastest hour in sports talk here on The Ticket. Here are your hosts, Kay Carlton and Andrew Bowen. All right, welcome in here on a Thursday, September 9th, 2021 edition of The Setup. Here on 95.3 and 96.9 FM, The Ticket, 970 AM KNEA. You can find us online at 953theticket.com through the TuneIn app by searching for KNEA. Also on social media, Facebook.com slash 953theticket. Twitter at 953theticket. Kate Carlton, Andrew Bowen here with you for the next hour or so on the program. A lot to get into today. We have our first NFL game of the season tonight, so we'll touch a little bit on the NFL. We'll look at the latest on the expansion in college football. We'll continue with our unit previews uh, and talk about the Memphis defense today. Uh, We'll have a chance to catch up with Mitchell Gladstone, the Arkansas Democrat Gazette beat writer for a state at 2.30. And uh, we'll touch on a lot of stuff college football related, a state Memphis related, and much more throughout the course of the program today. But first, Andrew will get us caught up with the headlines. Brought to you by Plaza Tire Service, bringing you the best deals on tires. The most played series in A-State football history will be played in Jonesboro for the first time in almost a decade. Red Wolves and the Memphis Tigers will be meeting for the 60th time in the series that dates back to 1914. Both teams come in 1-0 and are looking to give their opponent their first loss. Kickoff is at 6 p.m. this Saturday. Yeah. And I didn't realize it dates back to 1914. It does. That's wild. Uh, How about this, just from... uh Perfect timing by Region 8 Sports Director Chris Hutchison on Twitter. Throwback Thursday tonight at 6 p.m. and 10 p.m. on KAIT, where they will look at the Bluff City Miracle, which turns 15 soon. Wow. Arkansas State's 2006 win over Memphis that ended with a Hail Mary by Corey Leonard in the end zone for an A-State win. Beautiful. I love it. Moving on to the Razorbacks. They take on number 15, Texas, this Saturday. And these teams are meeting in Fayetteville for the first time since 2004. This is also the 79th time the Razorbacks and Longhorns have played each other in their historic rivalry. Kickoff is at 6 p.m. on Saturday. So, 79th time playing each other since 2004. Yeah. But, wow. Yeah, it's a good – I mean, you got two big rivalries going on within the state this weekend so some good football for sure throughout the state of Arkansas without a doubt moving on to the Cardinals Adam Wainwright bailed them out last night uh, after being two out shy of a complete game St. Louis snapped their four game losing streak with a 5-4 win over the Dodgers the series wraps up today at 12-15 on 95-9 the Wolf yeah uh, like Kara and you were saying last hour I mean Adam Wainwright just seems uh, determined to keep them in yep. the picture. Uh, 2-1 Cardinals in the top of the sixth, by the way, over on 95-9, the Wolf. All right. And this has been your Daily Headlines, brought to you by Plaza Tire Service. 
All right. Thanks, Andrew. Uh, all right. So we're in that weird part of college football season where, like, college football, I guess, is kind of scared to compete with the NFL, so we don't have a ton of midweek games. And uh, the only, I guess, non-Saturday games we have in college football this week are on Friday night. And then I guess maybe next week we – get our first uh get a Thursday matchup next week so we'll start to see more midweek games I guess starting next week and then uh as we get into October but this week there is no college football until Friday night and obviously one of the big matchups tomorrow night is Coastal Carolina and Kansas in which Coastal is favored by like 26 points now um so a big national exposure opportunity for the Sun Belt uh, in a game that will be played in Conway. So we'll kind of touch on that tomorrow. But, uh, you know, we're right now from – and we've hit on a lot of college football talk and really have not talked anything about any kind of professional sports on the show. But we're just a few hours away from the NFL season getting started. And it'll actually start right here on the ticket with Cowboys and Bucks tonight – and we're just under a month away from the MLB postseason getting started. So it's exciting times. We're 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 about a month away from the greatest month in sports, which is October, when you have MLB postseason, NFL regular season, uh, preseason college basketball, uh, in the heart of conference play in football, and so many other things going on. But tonight. Uh, the NFL season gets underway, and it's Cowboys Bucks right here on the ticket. We'll see the return of Dak Prescott uh, in that game, which will be interesting. Not sure what we can really expect from him. He's kind of been dealing with injuries throughout uh, fall camp uh, leading into this season opener. So it'll be interesting to see what we see out of him. I also fully expect the Tampa Bay Buccaneers to come out flat and people to overreact because that's what Brady has done like every year for his last three to four years right. in the opening two or three weeks because he doesn't care about the regular season and nor should he. <laughs> so I, I I fully expect that to be a thing on Twitter tonight of oh Brady's washed I'm like no nah, man it's the first game of the year he don't yeah care. it's it's gonna be coming in waves it's gonna that's gonna happen and then everyone's gonna praise him again and then it's gonna be back to that if he loses yeah so. Thought today we would kind of start and just briefly kind of look at the NFL. Uh, obviously, today on the program, we're going to talk a lot of A-State, uh, a lot of A-State Memphis, but uh, we'll kind of save the A-State talk for the final three segments of the program today and just kind of get a glance of what's going to go on in uh, the NFL. Uh because obviously tonight a lot of eyes in this area will be on that game uh, with the Cowboys playing. And then a lot of eyes will be on the Titans on Sunday. So uh, it, it is it is an interesting season potentially uh, in the NFL. We'll see if anybody can beat the Chiefs out of the AFC. I don't think yeah, they can. I don't think they can either. I, I mean, I think the Bills are going to be very good. Uh, I think the Titans are going to be very good. But I don't think anybody's beating the Chiefs in the yeah. AFC. I don't. I don't see that happening. Um, it's going to be interesting to uh, see how everything unfolds. I feel like there's a lot of teams that are look really, really good on paper, but there's just this like feeling I have with a couple of them where I'm like, I don't, I don't know. And there's yeah a lot of injuries too. Yeah. So we'll I see tend what to happens. think the AFC South, which is the division the Titans play in, or is going to be kind of a, a, a landslide. Uh, 
the Texans are a dumpster fire. The Jaguars are probably two to three years away. The Colts seem like a 500 team. So it seems like the Titans are just going to run away with that division in the AFC. Don't and let then, uh, don't let Colts fans hear you say that. They will yeah. tell you that they are the best team in that, yeah. in that division. But I'm telling you, like the Cowboys and the Bears are the two most interesting teams in the NFC to me because uh, it's kind of the unknown with Dak Prescott and then the unknown with when is Justin Fields going to get on the field for the Bears. Yeah, it's true. So – um i'm interested to see how cd lamb plays too yeah yeah so that uh it's going to be interesting uh it all starts tonight uh sunday night football on thursday night which is whatever i mean it's it will it will at least get the sunday night football theme song tonight so it'll be a little bit weird but boy uh we'll get that uh a couple of highlights uh from the weekend steelers bills bills on sunday will be a pretty competitive game you would think uh, Browns Chiefs Packers Saints um, and then you have Ravens Raiders on Monday Night Football so uh, we'll touch a little bit more on the NFL tomorrow because Lang Whitman uh, the Railbird is going to join the program and he's going to actually throw out some NFL uh, bets that he likes tomorrow on the program but uh, tonight it's the return of the NFL and we're going to be football heavy as a sports society from now until December or Nor- so. Normally, I'm not super excited about being football heavy because I'm a basketball guy. But this year, I don't know why I'm all about it. I can't get enough of it. So yeah, it, it's not as much on the NFL side, more on the college side because yeah, like the NFL side, and I'm excited about college because of the crowds, among other things, obviously. But really right. excited just to see these full stadiums and see all the traditions and the atmosphere and the pageantry and everything returned to the college game. Uh, Just college football is just encapsulated in so many different traditions that it's nice to, it's nice to see the fans back, the band back and everything. I'm not as excited on the NFL part for that because it's such a TV product. Like I didn't notice last year that there weren't a whole lot of fans in the stands because the NFL has become just such this TV product that you almost don't care if there are fans in the stands. It's one of the only sports that I feel we like found out the pandemic was kind of like that. So, <laughs> I mean, I'm excited to see the season start, but it's for different reasons than I was with college football. Right. I feel like if fantasy football wasn't a thing, it would not have yeah, as yeah. big of a draw. Yeah, and that's, 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 that's the main reason I want to watch. That's obviously such a huge, huge, huge thing that, I mean, the NFL's got a lot of fans and a lot of popularity just off that. I mean, that's a great thing that Roger Goodell has done when he's, you know, when he's been in office is really make fantasy football like a thing where millions of people are doing it year in and year out. So uh, NFL starts tonight. Uh, We'll see how Bucks Bucks Cowboys goes. Uh, We'll talk a little bit more about the NFL on the show tomorrow when Lang uh, Whitman, the Railbird, uh, joins us here on the program. We're going to chat with Mitchell Gladstone today. That's coming up in about 20 minutes. Coming up here in about five to six minutes or so, we're going to continue our unit previews on Memphis and take a look at their defense. Went over the offense yesterday. Uh, If you missed that, it's up at soundcloud.com slash 95.3, the ticket, or uh, Spotify, Apple, Google Google Podcast, uh, and a few more by searching for the setup. But we are less than one month out from the postseason of the MLB. It's that time of the year where nobody cares about the MLB because college bat- college football has started, and it seems like the regular season is a little bit meaningless at this point in the MLB, even though it's not. But 
Yeah, it's a tight race all around the league. Yeah, but it uh, just takes the back seat. It's safe to say the Cubs just love to help the Cardinals because they beat the Reds again last night, and the Cardinals still have a chance in the you know wild card. Although I think that chance is slim, they're two and a half back. The Reds are now one game back of the uh, Padres in the you know wild card. NL is very interesting. Obviously, the Dodgers are the most talented team, but uh, you have the Braves and the Brewers surging uh, post-All-Star break. And then, again, the Reds, even though they lost to the Cubs last night, have been surging since the All-Star break. They were 500 on the 4th of July, and now they're 74-67 and 67 in the game back uh, in the wild card. And then right now, the AL wild card is, if it ended today, it would be Red Sox-Yankees in the AL wild card game. Wow. Which would be... Amazing. riveting baseball yeah. <laughs> to watch so uh Rays White Sox and Astros are the division leaders uh in the uh AL but uh yeah man Cardinals are still hanging in there thanks to uh the Cubs beating the Reds last night they're two and a half back of the wild card and the Reds are one game back of the Padres in the wild card who have started to kind of figure some things out so that's the latest in the MLB. We'll come back. Uh, we'll have a chance to look at the uh, Memphis defense, preview what uh, you can expect out of that unit Saturday at Centennial Bank Stadium. That's coming up after this on the ticket. We're not ready to go to the closer just yet. Stick around. More of the setup is coming up next on the ticket. Whether it's football or football, Play It Again Sports can get you ready for the field or the pitch this season. Go by Play It Again for football or soccer cleats, pads, shin guards, socks, even helmets. And of course, if you need a ball for practice at home, Play It Again has those too. And don't forget to bring your used equipment by Play It Again and turn it into cash. No matter if you're playing America's game or the beautiful game, the season is here. And that means it's time for you to get by Play It Again Sports at Highland and Caraway in Jonesboro. Around here, there's two ways to get a car wash. There's Tommy's Express Car Wash, and then there's everyone else. Tommy's Express uses the newest, most innovative technology in the auto wash industry with an easy load conveyor belt system, plus free vacuum and mat washers. And Tommy Club Unlimited membership start at just $19.99 a month. Tommy's Express Car Wash, soon to have a second location in Jonesboro. See them now at Highland and Caraway. And coming this fall, Tommy's Express will open their new location on Hilltop. Experience meets innovation at First National Bank of Eastern Arkansas. After more than 135 years of servicing our East Arkansas communities, we are the region's largest independently owned bank. First National Bank of Eastern Arkansas continues to invest in new products and services to best serve all our banking customers. This year, we've rolled out mobile pay technology, enabled mobile depositing from wherever you are, and a new roundup savings feature to help you take charge of your savings. Come and see what's new at First National Bank of Eastern Arkansas, member FDIC. My name is Adam Gray. I have so far lost 32 patients to COVID-19, and I've consoled people who contracted the virus and gave it to a loved one who then died. And this is breaking my heart. A very large percentage of the people in Arkansas right now that are being hospitalized are under the age of 40 and almost exclusively unvaccinated. We need this to end. Get your vaccination. Learn more at healthy.arkansas.gov. This message brought to you by the Arkansas Department of Health. 
Football is here, and this promises to be the biggest high school season ever here at the EAB Sports Network. Here's the rundown. Catch Jonesboro Golden Hurricane football on 95.3 and 96.9 The Ticket. The Nettleson Raiders are on 94.1 Bob FM, while the Valley View Blazers can be heard on 101.3 News Talk KBTM. And this year, we welcome Brooklyn to the EAB family with every Bearcats game airing on 101.7 KISS FM. Then once the games go final, you can tune into The Ticket for the Cavanaugh Auto Group's Friday Night Lights High School Scoreboard Show to get all the final scores, plus hear from coaches and broadcasters around the area. It's just one more way the EAB Sports Network is bringing local action to area fans. Our high school football coverage is brought to you by First National Bank, EDA Baptist Hospital, Real Estate Nate, Jonesboro Orthopedics and Sports Medicine, and St. Bernard's. From pregame coverage at 6.30 right through the final scores, we've got you covered. Don't miss high school football action each Friday night right here on this EAB Sports Network station. We're always rooting for overtime round here. Now let's get back to the setup. All right, welcome back here on the setup. Kate Carlton, Andrew Bowen with you. Hey, we're going to talk, uh, do our unit preview and look at that Memphis defense. A couple of things to knock out before we do that, though. It uh, seems as though officially BYU, Cincinnati, Houston, and UCF have all applied to be members of the Big 12. And for the first time since 2010, the Big 12 will announce on Friday that they will have 12 members in the league so wow uh, we'll see we'll await that announcement tomorrow I don't think they put a time on when that announcement will be they just said uh, Friday so it's uh it uh we'll see what the dominoes are uh on that and see what the Americans next move is obviously uh Louisiana Lafayette has been thrown out as one of the candidates for the American seen app States name floated around as well. So a couple of Sunbelt teams uh, mixed in that American conversation in terms of realignment, but uh, we'll see uh, tomorrow if it is indeed official that uh, BYU Cincinnati Houston and the UCF will join the big 12 to make it a uh, 12 team league. So exciting. Yeah, it's a, uh, it's, Wonder- it's crazy because usually this stuff goes on in the middle of the summer and not in the middle of the football season but right. uh, i wonder how the americans gonna what they're gonna do i would imagine they'd yeah you would imagine they would i mean they still have a tv contract with espn right. for a little while so you would imagine that they would try and go and get i mean i think lafayette is a candidate i think app is probably a candidate i think app and lafayette are your two best and then Coastal. yeah and i mm. i mean do you try and go poach like a and I don't think they would even leave, but you try and go poach like a Boise State and get a big name. Brand. That I don't know. Actually, was exactly what I was thinking. That yeah. I mean, that's not a. It's not a terrible call. No, but it. Yeah, I don't know. Yeah, so I don't know Boise's TV deal situation. We'll uh, we'll we'll see what uh, comes of that, uh, and if uh, the AAC wants to try and poach some other teams to join their league. Hey, uh, we're going to see an AAC team in action on Saturday night at uh, Centennial Bank Stadium as A-State gets set to take on the Memphis Tigers. First time since 2012, Memphis has paid a visit to the vault. And it's any Memphis fans that were there in 2012 and will be at the game today, it's going to look drastically different because it (laughs) looks like a completely new football stadium since uh 2012 so yeah it's beautiful that was my first time in the stadium on saturday and uh it's it's gorgeous yeah so 
We looked at the Memphis offense yesterday. We're going to preview the Memphis defense today. Then we'll make our game predictions and go over the things we want to see in the game tomorrow on the program. So one of the things that jumped out about the Memphis offense yesterday was their ability to run the ball. And that seems true for just about every Memphis offense ever. They like to run the football. The one thing that jumps out about this Memphis defense is experience. So, um, and I'll just tell you going in. So, this is what Memphis looks like in terms of years of experience across the board on defense, starting from defensive line down to the cornerbacks and safeties. Three years, four years, four years, five years, five years, two years, three years, one year, three year, four year, five years. A lot of experience. Wow. Only two guys that could potentially start have less than three years of experience on the defensive side of the football for Memphis on Saturday. So they're going to have their hands full. Yeah. Without a doubt. We'll we'll start with the defensive line. Uh, You have Rodalis Duckworth off the edge who played in all 11 games last season and had 19 tackles. He had one stop against Nichols his third year play. John Tate the fourth at nose tackle. Evan Barnes was on on the Workday Red Zone about an hour or so ago, and this kind of came up in conversation. But if you think that name sounds familiar, that's because it does. He's the son of former A-State basketball player at A-State's third all-time leading scorer, John Tate. So that will be a pretty interesting storyline there. He did not wow. play last year, but uh, opted out of last season, but has three years of experience going into this year, a career 35 tackles and five pass deflections to go along with eight tackles for loss and a couple of block kicks. In his first game back since 2019 against Nichols, he had two tackles and a pass deflection uh, last Saturday at Seems like a the stud. Liberty Bowl. Yeah, so <laughs> that'll be an interesting storyline to watch up front and see what uh, John Tate the fourth does for Memphis. Their defensive end is Morris Joseph, who is in his third year on the line. And he was productive last season, a name that A-State people probably will remember from last year's game, uh, where he had uh, 52 total tackles and racked up 10 stops in the bowl game and had one stop last week. So, three years, four years, four years of experience up front for Memphis. A lot of experience on that three-man defensive front for the Tigers. You're so like, it'll be interesting to see because we talked about it uh, yesterday. Um, Arkansas State did really good at protecting uh, Hatcher and Blackman for the most yeah. part. So it'll be interesting to see with all this experience and you know these monsters on the D line how how the offensive line holds up. I mean, like like we said before the last game, it's a bunch of new guys. So it'll be it'll be interesting. I don't I don't know how it's going to yeah. play out. Well, and then you have your four man linebacking front and I, I mean don't think for a second they're not at some point in the game going to walk at least one or two of those linebackers up to try to create more pressure off the defensive line oh without a uh doubt. the Mike linebacker is J.J. Russell he's in his fifth year playing at Memphis wow. where he has 190 career tackles 17 for loss and six pass deflections he was a guy that forced a fumble against Arkansas State last year and he just showed out again last week against Nichols. He led the team with seven tackles and a pass breakup last week. So that's your Mike linebacker. Uh, another linebacker is Thomas Pickens. Guess what year he's in playing at linebacker? Year five, where he started all 10 games last season and had 53 tackles, uh, and he also had eight tackles in the bowl game, four tackles last week. 53. 
Wow. Yeah. That's a lot. Cole Mashburn is the young guy on the uh, linebacking core. He only has one year of experience, and we appeared in 11 games and had six starts last year uh, and uh, had 39 tackles. He got on the board with three tackles and one for loss last week. And then uh, a third-year linebacker is Jalen Allen, who has 16 career tackles and a fumble recovery. So um, five, five, two, and three years of experience at the linebacking core for this, this Memphis is a, this defense. This is a veteran defense, without a doubt. It's you think? Yeah, <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah. It uh, it is crazy the amount of experience they have on the defensive side of the football. Which means they've been with Memphis when they were ranked. I mean, they've been yeah, a they've part been a part of some of, very impressive Memphis teams. Pretty much everybody on this team was on that – starting on this defense was on the team in 2019 that went to the Cotton Bowl and played Penn State. Yeah. So, <laughs> maybe they weren't starting. Maybe they were just playing, you know, spot roles, whatever. Either but way, they were they on were the there. roster <laughs> and had some type of role on this team when they played in the Cotton Bowl in 2019. Goodness. Uh, your quarterback is a, a freshman, Greg Rubin, who had three tackles last week, or a sophomore, Julian Bennett or Julian Barnett, who transferred from Michigan State after playing two years there, and he had three tackles last week. The other cornerback is Jacoby Francis, uh, his fifth year on defense, where he has ninety-four career tackles and four interceptions. So, a little younger at cornerbacks, but then you still have a fifth-year guy at cornerback. So there's. There's no, there's no, there's no like this one area on the defense where you're like, all right, they're starting a freshman, so maybe we can exploit this. Now nope. they're, they're they're starting a bunch of dudes who are experienced. Um, I, I will say Memphis's over the years, their defense is usually pretty rush heavy. Um, their pass coverage, oh, I don't know how they are this year because, like we said, we watched them play Nickel State, right? But um, just a trend that they've always had as a team is their pass coverage is a little lackluster. And if you're covering uh, Corey Rucker, I don't – unless you've got some pretty stellar corners and some pretty stellar pass coverage, I don't see – I think they can expose that for sure. Yeah. Uh, and then to go kind of go over their safeties, uh, Quindell Johnson is a preseason Thorpe, Ward, Thorpe Award watch list and has 113 solo tackles in his career, including seven last week. And then Sanchez Blake is a fourth-year guy who has 157 career tackles and two interceptions. So – there's no wow. There's no shortage of experience for this Memphis defense to kind of look at what uh, what they did last week against Nichols. Uh, Nichols threw for 199 uh, yards, uh, had a touchdown and an interception. They went 19 of 34, uh, rushing the ball, 28 rushes on 100 yards, just an average of 3.6 yards per rush. So. A-State defense held UCA to 2.6, 2.5 yards per rush. The Memphis defense had about just as much success uh, stopping the run uh, last week and then uh, saw the one thing that does kind of stand out, though, we kind of go over the experience and, you know, all of these guys that are third or fourth or fifth-year guys, even against a team like Nichols, who A-State is far superior to than Nichols, they had just one tackle for loss defensively last week and only two quarterback hurries. So it it would seem that they did not get a whole lot of pressure last week uh, with just the one tackle for loss. So that's going to be something interesting to watch to see if uh, Memphis can get pressure on A-State and try and make Lane Hatcher a little uncomfortable in the pocket because we know the A-State defense is going to get pressure on Memphis offensively because – 
Yeah, I mean, they had six tackles for loss last week against UCA and probably could have had some more. So. I want to I say that this is going to be a huge defensive battle. Memphis' yeah. defense looks monstrous. A-State's defense, as we saw last game, and on paper looks really, really good. And don't get me wrong, both offenses are pretty good, but when you have two stellar defenses, it's going to be very hard to score like A-State did in their last game, like Memphis did in their last game. So I think it's going to be a low-scoring, really in-the-trenches yep. defensive battle. I, I, I kind of I kind of agree there because I think both defenses are very solid. Uh, we're going to catch up with Mitchell Gladstone of the Arkansas Democrat Gazette who covers a state. Uh, we'll get his thoughts on uh, last week's game and this week's game against Memphis after this on the ticket. Kara's icing down. Bobo's in the pen. But Kate and Andrew are dealing. The setup continues right after this on The Ticket. This hour brought to you in part by Baker Implement. Get your chores done in comfort with a Case IH Farmall compact tractor with factory installed cab. From sunny day Boeing to dusty leaf blowing and windy weather snow blowing, Baker Implement has a Farmall that'll keep you dry and comfortable. Stop by one of their 11 convenient locations or go to bakerimplement.com. Hey, I'm David Daly and you can come join me live this Saturday from 11 till 1 at Local Tire and Wheel, where $30 is all you need to kick off this big game day on the tires you need and the wheels you want at Local Tire and Wheel. That's this Saturday at Local Tire and Wheel, 1518 South Caraway in Jonesboro, right across the street from Burger King. And you can check them out online as well at localtireandwheel.com. Get curb appeal at Local Tire and Wheel. Red Wolves fans, this is Coach Butch Jones, and it's game week. We need you in Centennial Bank Stadium this Saturday. Hatcher steps up, rolls left, throwing for Rucker, caught inside the 20. Rucker inside the 10, he's going to score. Touchdown, Corey Rucker from 34 yards out. Help us lock the vault. Secure your seat now. Visit astateredwolves.com or call 870-972-2781. Wolves up. Hey, everybody, it's Matt Stoltz. And Brad Bobo. So everybody seems to have a podcast these days, and, well, we've decided to join the party. We'll release a new episode every Tuesday. Of course, we'll talk about what's going on with the Red Wolves, but we'll also be able to talk about some things we might not always get to. That's right. We'll have interviews, behind-the-scenes info, tell plenty of stories, and have a whole lot of fun as we talk about everything A-State. It's the Second to None Podcast, presented by Simmons Bank. New episodes every Tuesday, wherever you get your podcast. 95.3 and 96.9 The Ticket is adding another hour of local programming. Hey, this is Cade Carlton. Join me and Andrew Bowen every weekday from 2 to 3 right here on The Ticket for our newest show, The Setup. We'll talk all things A-State, college sports, professional sports, and whatever else the topic of the day might be. And we'll interview a wide variety of guests from local and national levels. It's The Setup weekdays 2 to 3 right here on 95.3 and 96.9 The Ticket. Here's NASCAR Hall of Famer, Mark Martin. As a race car driver for 40 years, I survived a lot of crashes. Not everyone can run into a wall at 200 miles an hour and walk away. Without a seatbelt, I wouldn't be alive today. Now I'm retired, back home in Arkansas driving my pickup. I'm shocked how many people aren't wearing seatbelts. Why risk your life when it only takes two seconds to buckle up? Take it from number six. Buckle up, Arkansas. A message from the Arkansas State Police Highway Safety Office. No. You can skip songs, but don't skip your child's recommended vaccines. Talk to their doctor about how to stay up to date and help protect them. 
A public service announcement from Vaccinate Your Family in collaboration with Merck. It's the quickest hour in sports talk. That was fast. Now back to the setup on the ticket. All right, welcome back to the setup. Halfway home on a Thursday edition of the show, which means it's time to go to the Ritter Communications hotline and catch up with the A-State beat reporter over at the Arkansas Democrat Gazette. It's Mitchell Gladstone who joins us on the phone lines. Mitchell, how are you this afternoon? How's it going, guys? Ready for uh, week two? Yeah, yeah, no doubt. Uh, Same thing over here. Uh, We'll look at week two. We'll look at Memphis uh, later on in the conversation. But uh, first, want to circle back to – uh, the game we saw last Saturday where A-State defeated UCA, just what were your kind of overall takeaways uh, from that game last Saturday at Centennial Bank Stadium? Yeah, I mean, I don't think you can like talk about the game other than anything about the quarterback. I mean, I think that was obviously the main storyline. You know, I thought there may be some announcement in the, you know, Pre-game, I was watching the scoreboard when they put the lineups up, and yeah. they you know, announced <laughs> Blackman and then Lane Hatcher, and I kind of, I kind of chuckled at it. Uh, you know, Butch Jones has made it, you know, with this whole subterfuge and trying to hide it, and so I thought, okay, you know, we're basically at kickoff, maybe over till the end, but he didn't, and then Blackman comes out, and you know, I didn't really know what to think of the first half. They moved the ball. But there obviously wasn't the points, and then Lane Hatcher comes in. So, you know, my my takeaway was, well, maybe this is just a half, and it's hard to take it away at the same time. You know, it's hard to take anything else of Lane Hatcher's performance than just, wow, I mean, that was 12 for 12, 150 yards and four touchdowns. I mean, you can't really look past that. And so... Certainly interesting. You know, I, I wasn't surprised that Butch Jones didn't want to name a starter at the press conference. Um, I was still a little surprised that he didn't name one on Tuesday. But then again, you know, that's sort of been his M.O. throughout camp. So um, that'll be interesting to see who comes out uh, for the first snap on Saturday. Yeah, you know, he had some, I guess it was in his Sunbelt media availability on Monday. He had some interesting comments and, you know, kind of said, look, the offense really didn't do much to help James Blackman and just kind of for whatever reason, it just it flowed and it looked more in sync when Lane Hatcher was out there. Yeah, I mean, I think that's just how it goes sometimes. I mean, look, the offensive line, I wrote about it in my notebook, the offensive line had a last-minute shuffle, and so you had three of the five guys playing at spots who were the spots where they weren't expected to be. So... I think that may have played a role in it, um, but you could also just see, and I think Butch wanted to sort of, you know, maybe not acknowledge as much, but you could just see Lane, or sorry, James Blackman in the first half wasn't wasn't comfortable at times. I mean, some yeah. of, like I said, the pocket was collapsing, but there were times when he either looked indecisive or just didn't know exactly what was going on, and you know maybe that just gets resolved in time. But like you said, you know things looked smoother and steadier when Lane Hatcher is back there and obviously it helps that he has familiar with the familiarity with these guys, his familiarity with Keith Eckendorf, um, and you know, what he wants to do as an offensive coordinator and so I think that played a big role in things. Um, but like I said, you know, 
it's only a one-game sample, and you know maybe Blackman comes out and puts in a good performance in week two, and you forget about what happened in the first half. But that remains to be seen. Yeah, we could spend the whole conversation talking about the quarterback battle, but we won't uh, because I did think the running back rotation was interesting. Obviously, Marcel Murray was listed as the starter, but you know Alan Lamar took the load of the carries, and then. You know, we saw Marcel and Johnny Lane kind of mixed in there. What did you kind of make of that uh, three running back rotation where Lamar took a lot of the reps? Yeah, I mean, it is interesting only because I expected Marcel Murray to be the workhorse. And I thought that was the one place on the depth chart that was pretty settled. Now, you know, you look at the depth chart and Alan Lamar is the top of it with Marcel Murray behind him. And it's interesting. I don't know if that was, again, a subterfuge and not making a big deal about Alan Lamar. Um, but I know when he came in as a transfer, you know, he had pretty decent hype. I mean, he was a, a former first-team All-Ivy player at Yale. Um, I think he was either offensive rookie of the year or all-freshman team a couple years back. So he's clearly a talented player. Um I was surprised there wasn't more talk about him in camp. Um, but, you know, if you have Alan Lamar and Marcel Murray and you don't want to, you know, you don't want to make Marcel Murray the workhorse because of his injuries, I mean, that's a pretty good setup to have. And then Johnny Lang, you know, I think we, we got we got some good looks at him. Um, I, I, you know, I'd like to see more before I really, you know, make any definitive statements yeah. on him. Um, but, you know, he's clearly was very solid and if, if they're going to rotate guys I mean you know and you good to have depth I mean those offense you know offensive skill positions the more depth you have I mean obviously injuries happen over the course of the season but just even depth in a game you know bringing fresh bodies in that's always a good thing and um whoever the quarterback is well and staying kind of offensively we'll, we'll touch on the defense here a little bit later but uh you know staying just with the offense one of the things in the offseason that kind of was talked about was Who's going to be that next guy? You know, it's a wide receiver. It was Omar Bayless, then it was Jay Adams. Who's the next guy? And I think the question might be, who are the next guys? Because Corey Rucker and Tavalence Hunt at wideout, you know, both showed uh, some impressive skills. And, you know, both Tavalence Hunt's four yards away from going for 100, and Corey Rucker racks up 138 yards. And it looks like there's a pretty good duo at wideout for A-State. Yeah, and I think that, the thing, you know, you've got three receivers, and I, you obviously didn't even mention Jeff Foreman. Right. Who, um, you know, we've seen a little bit of what he can do. And that's the thing. You've got Foreman, who's in his third season, you know, second year. He's that sophomore, I guess, technically eligibility. But, you know, third season for him, that's Corey Rucker's second season. So these guys are still young. And, and T. Hunt is, uh, I believe, his third year of eligibility. Yeah. So you've got guys who, you know, are still relatively young, and that's the exciting part is, you know, you've got the three of them. Um, you've got someone like Dahu Green behind them. Um, I think there's just, again, all this depth. Um, now, the wide receiver position does probably become more quarterback dependent. Um, and, you know, one of the things I wrote about in my game story from Saturday was the connection that Corey Rucker had yeah. with Lane Hatcher. Um, they've spent many nights working together. Um, Lane likes to pay him with Andy's ice cream afterwards. <laughs> so, uh, you know, they have a really strong connection. And I think, as you know, 
if, if Hatcher's on the field, you know, Corey Rucker is going to be his number one target. But something that I, I, you know, I wrote about the other day is that, you know, there isn't the expectation for any one of these guys to be a Jay Adams replacement. I think, ironically enough, you know, Corey Rucker's role was when Jay Adams needs a blow, let me get in there and fill his role. I don't think that's what his role is this year. His role is to, you know, perhaps be the leader yeah. of a group, but it's going to be those three guys and the guys behind them. I mean, we didn't even really see uh, freshman Reagan Ely, who could be a, you know a, a decent piece in the slot to um, tight end Emmanuel Stevenson, and you know Tyler maybe not as much of a pass catcher, but I think Stevenson, another true freshman, could be a good pass catcher. So you've got a lot of options, and the idea that if Corey Rocker can just be the leader of a really strong group and a really deep group, that's a good way to replace a guy like Jay Adams. Talking with Mitchell Gladstone of the Arkansas Democrat Gazette here. Just a couple more things uh, before we let you go, and we'll we'll switch it to defense. And that was one of the big stories of the night against UCA is they brought pressure all night. Six tackles for loss, uh, three or four sacks, and you know not only in the defensive line, but then you have a couple of interceptions in the secondary by Ellery Alexander and Sammy Johnson, and just. All around, it just looked like a very, very much improved uh, defense from A-State on Saturday night. Yeah, I went into the game not having a lot of, I don't even want to say expectations, but really understanding of what that defense was going to look like. We really hadn't seen much. You know, All the scrimmages were closed. Um, Rob Harley never been a defensive coordinator before, so I didn't really know what to expect, and see on that side of the ball um but the biggest thing that jumped out at me and Coach Jones mentioned in this post-game press conference was the fact that they were really running a lot of press man on the outside um so you know one of the things we watched a lot of the game film was from last year you could see guys getting you know five ten yard completions with relative ease I mean they were trying to prevent the deep ball and even that didn't work great but now you see these cornerbacks really up on the wide receiver. Now, that didn't mean that teams aren't going to be able to take shots. I mean, UCA did that, and UCA does have two receivers who you know, are, I would say, probably close to FBS caliber, if not FBS yeah. caliber. Um, so I don't necessarily look at that as, well, if those guys can get shots on this defense, then that's going to be a problem when they play better teams. I mean, those are some of the better receivers are going to see all season long. So, But the idea that you know, if the if the D line is getting home, and you're going to play in press man, I mean, yes, there will be shots on shots shot plays at times, but what you'll see is more often than not, the defensive line is going to create a lot of havoc, and it's going to make make it hard for teams to throw the ball down the field in general. All right, just uh, just uh, another thing here before we uh, let you go. Obviously. A big game with Memphis on Saturday for a lot of reasons. An old rivalry. Memphis in town for the first time in nine years. Uh, and this is a series that's going to be played a lot uh, here in the 2020s. But just what are what are your expectations for from Memphis? What do you kind of expect to see out of them on both sides of the ball on Saturday? Yeah, I talked to Arkansas State Athletic Director Tom Bowen this morning, and we were sort of just getting into – um, some of the stuff about bringing back this rivalry. I didn't even realize that. I thought it was just this four-game set, but you know, he r- reminded me that not only is it there's this game and the next two over the next two seasons, but then there's 
four more right. from 26 through 29. So it's, you know, obviously the revival of a long-running series. And for me, I'm most curious to see sort of how this Memphis offense looks. Um, they're returning, one of their returning quarterbacks, Brent Gunnell, uh, underwent surgery earlier this week. So it's going to be true freshman Seth Hennigan yeah. um, back at quarterback this week. And for me, it's actually pretty cool because I got to uh, cover Seth Hennigan two years ago when I was uh, working for the Dallas Morning News covering high school football. So I saw him uh, nearly complete a Hail Mary in the state championship uh, final for Denton Ryan. So it'll be cool to get to see Seth Hennigan uh, in person again. And uh, obviously he's really talented, able to start as a true freshman. Um, but, you know, Arkansas State talked about the Memphis running game. And yeah. so you've got, you know, R- Rodriguez-Clark, who's, who was their leading rusher last year, among a large group. And then Brandon Thomas, who was their leading rusher last week, I think he had a close to 150 yards. Um, he's a, you know, he's in his second season, a redshirt freshman, actually out of North Little Rock. And he, you know, was a, a former uh, Class 7A runner-up and state champion. He was uh, an All-Arkansas Preps honoree yeah. in 2018. So he's someone that's really talented. And I think, you know, they're going to obviously need to rely. I mean, Hennigan was, I think, 9 of 32 in his first game. So that's not bad. But that was, you know, against Nickel State, which is not right. Arkansas State. And if Arkansas State's able to get pressure on him, that could create some issues. So I think, I think you'll see them lean heavily on their run game again. Um, with Clark and Thomas doing the brunt of the work. Mitchell, all, as always, appreciate the time. Uh, before you get out of here, tell our listeners uh, what they can expect uh, from you leading up to kickoff on Saturday. Yeah, well, I've got my, uh, like I said, I've got stories coming on Saturday um, about the, just the revival of this rivalry and, as we said, the first time um, playing back in Jonesboro in nine years. Uh, but tomorrow you pick up the Arkansas Democrat Gazette or look online. Uh, or on my Twitter page at MP Gladstone, you're going to find a really cool piece. Um, I don't want to give too much away, but if you guys know the names Jalen Hurts, Tua Tagovailoa, and Mac Jones, um, there's an interesting connection with the three of them to someone at Arkansas State. Um, And so, you know, given that they are all going to be NFL starters this week, uh, I thought it was pretty interesting to, uh, you know, draw a little thread between those three guys and uh, someone on this Arkansas State roster. So if you take a look tomorrow, uh, there should be a really cool story about that. Awesome. Well, can't wait to read it tomorrow. As always, appreciate the time and look forward to catching up next week. Thanks so much. That's Mitchell Gladstone of the Arkansas Democrat Gazette. We're going to take a timeout, come back, close out the show after this here on The Ticket. Our advice? Just take the over. More of the setup is coming up next on The Ticket. Price is falling toward the end of the day. Hello, I'm Scotty Woodson on the EAB Ag Network with your EAB Market Countdown. September corn at 496, down two and a quarter. With December corn at 510, down a quarter. September soybeans 1258 and three quarters, down 12. With November soybeans 1270 and a half, down nine. September wheat at 681 and a half, down 16 and three quarters. With December wheat at 692 and a quarter, down 17 and a quarter. October cotton at 9456, down 64. With December cotton at 9322, down 86. September rice at 1308 and a half. 
half down one and a half. November ice off one to thirteen thirty one. Moving on to livestock now, October live cattle at one twenty three seventy five. That's up sixty five. December live cattle at one twenty eight eighty up fifteen. September feeder cattle at one fifty five seventy five down thirty. With October feeder cattle at one fifty nine twenty five down two and a half. October lane hogs at eighty five forty seven and a half down one ninety. With December lane hogs at seventy nine forty seven and a half down one oh seven and a half. That's your EAB Market Countdown, and I'm Scotty Woodson. Have a great day. Red Wolves fans, this is Coach Butch Jones, and it's game week. We need you in Centennial Bake Stadium this Saturday. Hatcher steps up, rolls left, throwing for Rucker. Caught inside the 20. Rucker inside the 10. He's going to score. Touchdown, Corey Rucker from 34 yards out. Help us lock the vault. Secure your seat now. Visit astateredwolves.com or call 870-972-2781. Wolves up. Here's farmer and landowner John Prue. We purchased the land about three years ago, and there was an old farmstead on there with trees. We were going to clear the land so we could farm through it. We thought we knew where the pipe was, so we didn't call to get it located. The work on our property led to the damage of a light crude pipeline. Fortunately, no one was hurt, but it could have been much worse. Never assume the location or depth of underground lines. Always call 811 or visit clickbeforeyoudig.com before you start work. A message from the Pipeline Operators for Ag Safety Campaign. Handed off to Lamar, rounding left, he's in! Touchdown, Alan Lamar and the Red Wolves take the lead for the first time tonight with 821 remaining in the third. After their week one win, Butch Jones and the Red Wolves try to move to 2-0 Saturday as they host the Memphis Tigers. And you can hear it all on your home for A-State football, 107.9 Cape Fine. Coverage begins Saturday at 4 with the Mid-South Ford Dealers Tailgate Show. That's followed by the Centennial Bank pregame show at 5 and kickoff at 6. And stay tuned after the game for Wolf House, presented by Baird Auto Group live from the Embassy Suites Jonesboro. A State football is sponsored in part by Hytrol, Vision Care Center, First Security Bank, Hilltop Family Dentistry, JT White Hardware and Lumber, Crown Limousine, Magnet Motor Company, Elite Eye Care, Hijinx, Arkansas State University, Max Prairie Wings, NEA Golf Cars, Mr. T's, and Renner Communications. Timeout's over. And we're going to a full court press. Now let's get back to the setup on the ticket. All right, welcome back here on the setup. Kate Carlton, Andrew Bowen with you. Thanks to Mitchell Gladstone of the Arkansas Democrat Gazette for hopping on the phone lines with us. Always good to catch up with him. That'll be up at soundcloud.com slash 95.3, the ticket after the program, as well as Spotify, Apple, all kinds of different podcast platforms where you can find the show. Uh, so talking a lot about the A-State Memphis game, uh, which it's interesting because money appears to be coming in on Memphis. That game opened up at five. Memphis is now a six point favorite, uh, against a state with an extremely high over under 63 and a half, uh, for that Memphis A-State game. So, um, we'll see what, um. We'll see what that closes at. Interesting to see uh, kind of what that line uh, closes at. So, uh have about six minutes left in the show before we hand it over to the drive. But, uh, so, it's been nine years since Memphis has come to town to play A-State at Centennial Bank Stadium. 
obviously we saw this game played 2013, 2014, whenever it was at Liberty Bowl, and last year at the Liberty Bowl as well. But, so Memphis came to town in back-to-back years, 2011 and 2012. And two things I remember about both games. Number one, A-State won both. Number two, the crowd was incredible. I know it's like a kind of a weird time still with everything going on, but man, can we please have a better crowd this Saturday? I know. I, I, I mean, completely 15, agree. Fifteen thousand against UCA, and it honestly, I was kind of shocked at kickoff at the lack of people in the stands. It's so, really disappointing. Here's yeah. the last the last two times Memphis came to a state in a place that seats thirty thousand, a little over thirty thousand. 2011, the attendance was announced as 29,782. 2012, it was announced as 28,041. There's like zero reason for it not to be that good this week. Because let's remember, like Memphis wasn't a national sort of kind of relevant group of five program at that point. They're kind of on that level now. And... They're going to bring fans. Yeah, I mean they travel really well. So, I don't I, like I don't see a reason of why this thing should not have twenty five thousand plus in the stands on Saturday night. Because I agree. A, it's kind of a renewal of an old rivalry at in Jonesboro that hasn't been played here in nine years. B, there was a lot to be excited about from a state season opening win against UCA, and C, like this is like if you want to be like it or not if you want to be one of the programs of the group of five that people talk about like hey this is one of the five ten best programs of the group of five like you have to be teams like memphis yeah because memphis is kind of in that conversation at this point so i mean there's a lot to be excited about like i know like on the memphis side you know a lot of the memphis people are like oh we don't need to play a state they're below us whatever which is not true but they think every team they play is below them. They do, yeah. And so they won't consider this a rivalry on their end, I don't think. But, hey, you want a rivalry? Pack the stadium and beat them. Like, that's, yeah. that's the quickest way. Show them, you want, show them it is a rivalry. That's the quickest way to get this series back to what it was in the mid, mid to late 2000s when there was, like, a legitimate hatred and a legitimate rivalry between A-State and Memphis. So, I just – I don't think there's – not to get on like a rant back-to-back days in the final <laughs> segment, but I don't think there's any excuse for this place to not be at least 85% full, but preferably more I on mean, Saturday. I, I'm going to say I'm okay with the two rants. These are two topics I'm passionate about and I agree with, so I'm okay with both these rants. But is this going to be a, a daily segment? No, I hope not. No, I hope not. I just – I don't know, man. It just – I was very, very disappointed at the, at the – uh, crowd size on Saturday so I mean I I hope it's I hope it's a lot better for Memphis because here's the thing like not nobody's even mentioned this is the last Saturday home game until November 7th against App State I mean you have the two midweek coastal and Lafayette in October but this is the last like Saturday home game where you can tailgate before do whatever you want to do before and and, it's a good team yeah it's it's a good regional rivalry matchup so it'd be different if the last home game was against some random team that no one's ever heard of but it's memphis it's an hour away fans travel well they're a good team in the group in the i would say the upper conferences but i mean you might as well show out 
show out for your team. Uh, so that's going on Saturday night, six o'clock at Centennial Bank Stadium. Uh, coming up here in about five minutes, A State Soccer hosting hosting Tulsa today. Meanwhile, volleyball begins play in the Semo uh, Invitational tomorrow against Kansas City. Uh, last thing here before we close out the show, uh, college football is back, not because there were games played in week zero and not because there were games played last weekend, not because we went like five straight days of college football Thursday through Monday last week. College football is back because we have our first Nick Saban rant of the year. Did you know (laughs) Alabama only played one half against Miami? Really? That's according to Nick Saban, who said (laughs) practice has been bad this week and talked about the rat poisoning in the media. Oh, God. I forgot about that. (laughs) He said, we came up with this phrase a few years ago called rat poison, and I think it's relevant again because (laughs) apparently Alabama practice has not been up to the standards of one Nick Saban this week. If you need a refresher, Alabama won 44-13 over Miami, and their quarterback, Bryce Young, threw for 344 yards and four touchdowns. He's got high standards. But Alabama only played one complete half of football, and they have not been locked in at practice this week as they get set to take on Mercer. Yeah, Mercer. So, big game coming up this week against Mercer. <laughs> I was about to say. You can it, – that's what I love about college football season. You can set it as a reminder every year that Nick Saban is psychotic (laughs) Tuesday or Wednesday the week that Alabama plays an FCS program Nick Saban is going to go in the media we're not prepared enough we're we think we think we're good because we play one good half of football we're not we're not prepared enough yeah he's also going to have a million (laughs) quotable references I'm not going to, so quit asking. All right, <laughs> that's a wrap on the program today. The Drive with Brad Bobo is next, 7 to 10. Tomorrow, it's uh, the front row with Budrow. 10 to 12 tomorrow, Red Wolf Roll Call, 12 to 2. Workday Red Zone gets you back to us tomorrow from 2 to 3. Here on the setup for Andrew Umcade. So long. Have a great day. We'll talk to you tomorrow. Save big this week at